Thank you so much, worship team. And just what a theologically just rich song to just remind us of the Holy Spirit's presence alive and among us and, and just dwelling within us and uh, here as God and is God. And so thank you so much for joining us today at 9 a.m. here on Sunday morning. I know some of you have had exhausting, long weeks, but if this is your first time visiting, my name is Jordan, and I'm our online pastor and one of our teaching pastors here at Crossbridge. And this is a busy and exciting week in the life of Crossbridge and the life of the church. We've got so many things kicking off this week or events happening, things we're celebrating. And so tonight, actually, our youth group kicks off for, yep, Sunday Night Youth, and I'm so excited about it. Uh, we've got uh, some really cool ideas. Nick is our youth pastor and uh, has some really awesome things planned for this evening. And so if you've got a 6th through 12th grader, have them join us tonight. Uh, here at the church, we're going to have some games. There's going to be a teaching, some small group time. And also Kona Ice is going to be making an appearance. And so uh, I would love for you to be able to join us. I'm our middle school boys, small group leader, and would just love to be able to hang out with your teens tonight. Uh, and then, as uh, you know, we've, we've seen on the screens and on the slides this Wednesday is S'more Fest, our annual S'more Fest. And this is one of the easiest events that we pull off every year. It doesn't take much time for us, but it is one of the biggest impacts we have because it combines our C3 sports community to our church community. And so we've put it in the middle of practice time during soccer on Wednesday night here out on the church property. We provide all of the s'mores. We just ask that you show up and interact with our community. And so even if you aren't planning on eating s'mores, come on out Wednesday night after dinner, hang out with us until 730 uh, we're going to have s'mores, some music, and it's just a great opportunity for our church to interact and engage with the community outside of these walls. And then Thursday night, we are kicking off our Generationally Speaking podcast, Season 5, which is one of Brad and I's favorite things that we do uh, throughout the school year. And it's crazy that we're in Season 5 of this, Episode 50, of just talking about generational topics or relevant topics in our culture and approaching them through the pastoral lens of our generation. And so Brad, being just a little older than me as a boomer, and myself being just a little younger as a millennial, uh, we're talking this Thursday about things other generations don't understand. And if you haven't seen the, the uh, topics for this year, we're talking about church abuse, regaining trust in church leaders, politics in church. We're talking about seven ways that the church has harmed LGBTQ Christians. We're talking about uh, dangerous Jesus. And if Jesus is real and alive, then that requires us to change the way we view the world. And so it's going to be a blast. There is one change this year because Brad and I are both getting a little older uh, and our bedtimes have gotten a little bit earlier. We are starting at 7 o'clock Eastern time on Facebook and YouTube. It has nothing to do with Thursday night football starting at 8.30. Nothing at all whatsoever. It really is because I'm an old man and go to bed at 8 o'clock. And so this Thursday. And our last announcement, okay, this was a, Michael told me, Jordan, don't go 45 minutes today. Little did he know I was going to share 15 things happening at the church before I even got into the introduction of the sermon. Next week, next Sunday, is our 10-year anniversary of us meeting out here on the church property. Yes. And so we've got some cool things planned. We're going to celebrate it uh, next Sunday. Uh, bring your friends, bring your family, and come ready to party at 9 o'clock and 1030. 
So, well, hey, like I said, that last worship song was just the perfect introduction into the message today for our series, Awaken, where we're spending four weeks studying the Holy Spirit. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the language of the Holy Spirit or who the Holy Spirit is, friends, the Holy Spirit is God. Just as Jesus was and is God, and while Jesus was walking the earth, Jesus was God, the Holy Spirit is God. And as Jesus ascended up to heaven to be with the Father and to sit at the Father's right hand at the throne, and then the Holy Spirit was breathed onto the world in Acts chapter 2 through Pentecost, Holy Spirit is God today and alive and breathing and active among us. Don't get tripped out or confused or worrisome about this spirit language and because of all of the things that you see in our culture today of, um, of just chasing after spirits or studying the spirit world. The Holy Spirit is God and is the person of God on earth and within us when we allow him to be and when we accept his presence. And it's so crucial as a church that we understand who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is not an emotion. Though the presence of the Holy Spirit within our lives may invoke some emotional responses or may invoke a call to action or convictions that cause us to feel certain ways about things, the Holy Spirit's presence in your life is not subject to whether or not you can feel the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's presence in your life and within your life is subject to your dedication to awakening to the presence of the Holy Spirit. As Kim talked about last week, so many Christ followers today are apathetic toward the Holy Spirit's presence. We've become either numb or too busy or too comfortable within our environment to encounter and engage the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. And so if you're sitting there and you're wondering, one, I still don't understand the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God. Understand that today. Two, how do you then become more aware, as we just sang about, of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life? The number one way is through prayer. And I mean spending intimate and intentional time with God in prayer and in worship. And yes, when you are praying with God and inviting the Holy Spirit into your presence and into your heart, you may feel at peace. You may feel conviction. You may feel this tension as God is calling you to move or to change or to learn or to live a certain way. And that may require action. But prayer is the number one way. Studying scripture you also may feel or experience the presence of the Holy Spirit when we use our gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us, which is going to be our topic of discussion today. When we act like Christ, believe it or not, we experience Christ's presence. And so perhaps there is some area in your life where you're like, I just don't feel God. I don't see God. I don't experience God. I don't um, understand God. And it requires you to ask the deeper questions, how am I living? How am I acting? How am I walking in the presence of God? 
And, and friends, this is why it's so important for us as Crossbridgers and Christians to understand the Holy Spirit. Not only because the Holy Spirit is God on earth, but the Holy Spirit is our guide here on earth. Helps lead us to convictions of sin. Helps lead us to establishing Christ's kingdom on earth and ushering it in. And so for today, last week, like I shared, Kim talked about awakening to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Today we're talking about awakening our spiritual gifts. Okay, this is arguably one of the coolest things about the Holy Spirit, about God on earth, is that when we are in Christ, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior and the Messiah and have declared that Jesus is King, you have the Holy Spirit's presence dwelling within you. And if you have the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit has given you spiritual gifts. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I want to just put up the definition of spiritual gifts on the screen for those who aren't familiar. Gifts distributed by the Holy Spirit upon followers of Jesus to build up or to edify the church and usher in the kingdom of God on earth. Okay, I want to repeat that again. Spiritual gifts are gifts distributed by the Holy Spirit upon Jesus' followers for two purposes— to edify, to build up the church, and to establish and usher in God's kingdom on earth as is in heaven. All right? Spiritual gifts are so important for us as Christ followers to understand. If you are in Christ, you have spiritual gifts. Now, here's a, a key thing I want you to understand. Okay? Spiritual gifts are not the same things as talents, things you're good at. All right? We actually see a, a list of spiritual gifts throughout Scripture that we're going to walk through a little bit later on in the message. But spiritual gifts are not just things that you are good at. Okay? They are specific gifts that the Spirit has given you for the purpose of building up the church and ushering in the kingdom. You may be good at some of these things or just naturally have those talents in your life you may be really good at math. You may be really good with numbers. You may be really good with construction. You may be really good uh, with, uh, with serving people or, or being compassionate toward others. It doesn't necessarily mean that that is your spiritual gift. And why that distinction is so important is because a lot of us, I think, recognize how we're wired, our talents, our personality, but we don't understand our specific gifts for the kingdom of God. And once we understand how the Holy Spirit has specifically gifted us, lives are changed. Impact is inevitable. And the kingdom of God is ushered in on earth. I actually believe that, that the uh, reason why the church in the West has not been growing as exponentially as in the past or as we see throughout different parts of the world, such as in Asia, Europe, or Africa, is because, like what Kim talked about last week, of our apathy toward the Holy Spirit. And if you are apathetic towards the Holy Spirit's presence, you will be unable to tap in and lean in and grow your spiritual gifts. Okay? Spiritual gifts are gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you 
when you accept Christ to grow and to develop and to use for the betterment of the kingdom of God. And Paul, who kind of just establishes the theology, the knowledge of God when it comes to the Holy Spirit, writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. I want to put it on the screen here. Uh, Paul writes this. He says, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? So important here. When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction or a revelation or a tongue of interpretation. He's listing different spiritual gifts. This last part is so important, though. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. This is the whole purpose of your spiritual gifts. He starts out by saying some of you have a revelation. Some of you have a hymn or a song. Some of you have an interpretation. Some of you have a generosity. Some of you have the acts of service. Some of you are compassionate. But everything we do must be done so that the church may be built up. Everything must be done. Paul is so concerned with Christ followers who waste that which God gives them. That when you read throughout his letters in the New Testament, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Corinthians, Thessalonians, these different letters that he's writing to the churches that he is in contact with throughout the first church, the first century church, that he is calling them to action. If you turn with me to Romans chapter 12, that's where we're going to spend some time today. Then we're going to move back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're just kind of getting an idea of what are the different spiritual gifts we're going to read a couple passages, and then to end the message today, I'm going to walk through the 13 most common spiritual gifts that we see today, right? Some theologians debate between 8 and 18 spiritual gifts. Is that list exhaustive? I wouldn't be so confident as to say so, perhaps. But there's 13 that we still see very active and alive today, and so we'll walk through that at the end, and then I'll give us a couple of next steps Romans chapter 12, this is what Paul writes to the church in Rome. And, and the first two verses are some of the most common verses that we see throughout this entire letter to the Roman church. But it, it, it's so important when we read it in context with spiritual gifts. This is what Paul writes. He says, therefore, I urge you. You sense the urgency, perhaps because he used the word urge. I urge you, <laughs> brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy— to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I want to stop there for a second. Living sacrifice declares activity. Okay, so while the sacrifice is offering that of something, giving up something, even in a sense suffering for something, the living piece of it means that it is active. And so what Paul is urging is activity within the sacrifice. Using or sharing or giving that which we have in an active way for the kingdom of God. As a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. He continues, this is your true proper worship. He's saying the way that we are truly honoring God is with our living sacrifice. 
That's why we don't define worship as just singing. But the action, the living out that which we are singing about is also honoring to God and pleasing to God and worshiping God. Next verse, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It, it again, has this sense of, of what Kim talked about last week, this apathy. Okay, the world is going to tell you to conform, to be comfortable, to sit in apathy, contentment, or perhaps bitterness or selfishness. And Paul is urging a living sacrifice, an active lifestyle of worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We go right into verse 3. What is that? For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And this is so important in relation to the previous verse. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each body, or in each member, belongs to all the others. And here he starts to talk about spiritual gifts in relation to that. Verse 6. We each have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. What, if, what is Paul saying? Church in Rome, be an active, living sacrifice. If you are in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have spiritual gifts. If you have spiritual gifts, you are called to use them. Paul is urging the church to become active in the world. Ushering in the kingdom of God on earth as is in heaven and by building up the church through using our spiritual gifts, through serving, through giving, through prophesying, through sharing, through being compassionate, through helping, through administering, through leading, through teaching, through proclaiming the gospel. It's so important that we understand this. And that we become aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. Paul continues this message and just kind of gives a, a, a more uh, in-depth look at spiritual gifts in his letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. If you haven't read 1 Corinthians, it's again one of the letters Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. A church that is struggling a lot with sexual immorality, idolatry putting God's lowercase g before the God, before holy, the Holy Spirit. And he's trying to remind them about the things the Holy Spirit gives us that these lowercase g gods can't do. And this is what he says. Verse is 1 through 12, chapter 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, 
brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Again, this is kind of the basis for the entire letter of the Corinthians. They became so in love and infatuated by other idols or by pagan worship that it consumed them. And so what does Paul write? Verse 2, you know that when you were pagan, somehow or another, you were influenced, and then what did that lead to? Being led astray. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Holy Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, so important. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Stop there for just a second. Okay, just like we had the same language in, in Romans, multiple parts, one body. Multiple gifts, one body. The church is called the body of Christ. You have different gifts, perhaps, than I do. Maybe we have a similar one or two. But the Spirit has uniquely chosen you for specific kingdom work. And Paul wants to encourage the Corinthians and encourage the American church today with those six verses. Moving on, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? For the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, by the same Spirit, is given faith. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Verse 10, to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits, also uh, discernment. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of those tongues. Verse 11, all these are at work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Verse 12, he repeats it. Just as a body, though one, has many different parts, the hand, the feet, the toes, the ears, the head, the nose, has many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Holy Spirit gives gifts. To some it is teaching, to some it is leading, to some it is serving, to some it is compassion. Now, you might be thinking, aren't all of us, in a sense, supposed to be compassionate or be servants or have faith or discern? Yes. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you were specifically given the gift of discernment, making it not necessarily easier, but more aware leaning onto the spirit of what decisions to make or what the wisdom is or what the knowledge is. And so what are the gifts the Holy Spirit distributes? We kind of read a couple of them um, throughout Romans. There's some found in Ephesians. There's a, a large amount of the list is in Corinthians. I just want to walk through the 13 main ones that we still see alive and active today. Again, I don't believe that this list is exhaustive. Theologians debate between 8 and 18 that we see throughout Scripture. And I would not be so confident to say that there are only 18. 
I would also not be so confident to say that there are more than 13 today. The Holy Spirit is God and God is judge. But I think it's important for us to just see this list because a lot of times when we talk about spiritual gifts, okay, our instinct is to go online and either take a test or find a list and try to allow the internet to tell us how we're wired. While there is some benefit to that, you can't solely rely on the internet to tell you something supernatural. And that's why, like Kim talked about last week, it's so important if we're going to awaken to the Spirit's presence, we have to spend time in prayer. We have to spend time with God and allow God to reveal to us how God has wired us. And so here's just a list of 13 that we're going to just walk through very quickly just to kind of give you an idea of perhaps how God has wired you. Uh, we're going to put a few on the screen at a time, uh, and so I'm just going to read through them. You, we saw the word prophesy or prophecy, okay? This gift is speaking forth the purpose of God. It's found in Romans 12:6. I realized as I was handing Michael my outline, I only gave him half the verses where these are found because, you know, millennial. But... Um, I'll read them all out to you, and then I can, if you're interested in where they're found, I can, I can send them out to you. Uh, but prophesy, speaking forth the purposes of God for the church. Okay, It's not sitting at a crystal ball and, and foretelling the future, perhaps. It is perhaps calling forth, God has placed a revelation on your heart of what the future of the church needs to look like or should look like, and, and prophesying that, speaking that into existence, ushering in the kingdom of God. Second one, serving. This is a little bit easier to understand. Romans 12, 7, helping those in need. Perhaps God has given you that kind of um, urge whenever someone is in, in need or in suffering and you're like, I want to help them. Again, all of us should, in a sense, serve people. But some people have to force themselves into that position and mindset, okay? I'm not calling shots at Brad at all behind the scenes. No passive aggressiveness, and in fact, Brad is one of the greatest servants I know, and he's someone who you can call, and he'll be there in a moment's notice. Unless he's watching the open, U.S. Open or tennis co match competition. Don't bug him during that, okay? But there's some people who you just see who are in an instant willing to make a meal for someone in suffering or to come on over and build a fence. One of my youth group leaders growing up and one of my good friends today, and he's going to hate that I'm even talking about him. Uh, he's not sitting in the back at all. His name's Brent. Um, he still works with our high school youth. Uh, and, and guys, this is one guy who at a moment's notice will drop whatever he's doing to come pick you up, to come help build something. He'll, you know, donate if you are in medical need. It is, clearly has the gift of service. Next one, let's move on. Teaching. This isn't necessarily communicating like you're seeing me doing on stage, though it is a part of the gifts. It's found in Romans 12, 7, but it is explaining the meaning of Scripture. And so people with the teaching spiritual gift are really good at explaining that which they read or see or hear to someone who perhaps is an amateur when it comes to faith. Uh, number four, exhortation. It's also known as the gift of encouragement. Okay, encouraging others to lean on God in their times of suffering. Perhaps you are someone who, when you see someone that is suffering, an encouraging word comes to mind. Or an exhortation of encouraging those to remember God's promises when suffering hits. 
Giving. I loved this two-word definition that, that, that God placed on my heart. Joyful sharers. It can be financially, but it can also be with materials. It can be uh, with that which you have. You are just always filled with joy and wanting to share that which God has blessed you with. I love it. Let's move on to the next part of the list. Leadership. This one, uh, just, just simply put, comes from uh, Romans 12.8, the guide or steerer of the ship. Okay, the guide or steerer of the ship. Oh, captain, my captain. <laughs> if you are gifted spiritually with leadership abilities, then you are guiding the ship. It's not always the person on stage. It's not always the person at the realm. In fact, great leaders are great delegators. And great empowerers who see gifts in people and say, I see in you. Moving on, mercy. Again, all of us as Christ followers should feel mercy toward those who are suffering. But people who are gifted with the gift of mercy, their heart aches for those who are hurting. Around the clock, constantly. Not in an empath way where we carry like, and, and, and take on as our own emotions, but in a way that we are reminded of the suffering of those who are marginalized or who are hurting. The, the next two are very similar, same but different. <laughs> message of wisdom, or it's in Scripture seen as the utterance of wisdom, or the message of knowledge, or the utterance of knowledge. Um, people with the gift of wisdom are able to communicate wisdom You can tell that I don't have that gift. <laughs> no, the gift of wisdom and the difference between the gift of knowledge, knowledge, things you know, kind of matter-of-fact things, things you see in Scripture. Wisdom is kind of a deeper discernment. Perhaps it is a revelation that you experience from God and then being willing to or willing or able to explain that to Christ followers. It's really powerful and, and you know, just being able to communicate uh, the differences of verses and interpretations. Okay, let's move on because we're running out of time and I told Michael I wouldn't go too late today. Okay, faith, unshakable confidence in God. Again, all of us as Christ followers should have faith. But you know there's that one person in your life that like all hell breaks loose and they are still praying and singing and giving and sharing and praising and their faith is unshakable. In God, gift of spiritual gift of faith. Discernment, this is distinguishing between the voice of God and the voice of the enemy. The voice of truth and the lies of the enemy. Again, as Christ followers, we should all have, in a sense, discernment. But there's people who are able to discern between those two things because of the Holy Spirit's gift in them. Evangelism, proclaiming the gospel. The gospel is what? The good news of Jesus Christ. Again, all of us as Christ followers should evangelize, should share about Jesus. But there's those people who you just can tell they know what they're doing. And then there's those people who stand on a street corner proclaiming hell upon everyone who doesn't follow Jesus. One works really well. One requires us to put up our windows because we're a little disturbed at what they're saying. Okay? And then the last one that we'll share today, administration. People... And this is one that, again, just because you're talented in organization skills doesn't necessarily mean you have the spiritual gift of organization or of administration. But it could be related. 
Okay, people who are great at planning and organizing for an objective related to the church and related to administering the gospel. How to dissect some of those differences and okay, this is how we're trying to get to this place and this atmosphere and this area and, and pursue these people and, and then making it all like executed behind the scenes. Okay, again, those are just 13 that we see mainly today. My hope in sharing that list and sharing these verses is not that you would perhaps, maybe you, maybe you felt kind of a, a, you know, a stirring in your heart. But it's not that you would find out, yep, that's how I'm wired. It's more so that perhaps you would now have some things to start praying for, some ideas. If you felt a tug on your heart, go home and spend some intimate time and intentional time with God. Say, God, show me how you wired me. We've ran out of time, so I just want to put this last idea up here on the screen because it's so important for us to understand this. And Paul goes into this in 1 Corinthians 13, but he says this, your gifts won't reach their greatest potential without love. Love isn't just some cheesy thing that we talk about, friends. It is the center and the core of who Jesus is. And who the Holy Spirit is. Paul goes on, and, and we're not going to read the passages, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, he says, If I am just shouting prophecies, or speaking in tongues, or I am giving and serving, but it is void of love, then I'm just a gong banging noise in the background. And that's a lot of what we sound like on Facebook, when we sound like on the street corners, what we sound like when we are just shouting out theology or verses or condemning people to hell or condemning people uh, to our convictions, okay? When we are lacking love and gentleness, which is a fruit of the Spirit, both of which are fruits of, fruit of the Spirit, and we are not reaching our greatest potential. And so friends, here's your next step. Spend time this week praying with God, asking God to show you how he has gifted you for his kingdom. And it's not just two minutes here, two minutes there. I mean, carve out time, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, sitting with God in silence and allowing God to speak. And then when God shares, be a living sacrifice. Will you pray with me? Hey, God, thank you so much for the gifts through the Holy Spirit that you've given us, that you've shared with us, that you've distributed to us as a church to be the church and to usher in your kingdom. Help us use our gifts for kingdom work. In your name we pray. Amen.